usually people who walk into Reiki are natural empaths or givers in some way. They are natural healers. They want to help people. Um, So it just really resonated with me at that kind of deep emotional, spiritual level of like, hey, we just want to help the world and we want to find a way that we can keep doing that. And doing our own self-care is kind of the base level of being able to do that. Hey there, Kelly Howard here. And thank you for joining me this week for the Fit is Freedom podcast. We have a special guest today who is Anne Ruthman. And Anne is a photographer, a blogger. She's an abundant strategist. She's a Reiki practitioner. And she's getting ready to travel the world for business. Second time um, that she's done this. She basically just packs everything up and takes off around the world. I found Anne when I was listening to her TED Talk, which was, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I will tell you, she had me at the title, but the talk was spellbinding. So listen in. So Anne, tell me a little bit about, really about your TED Talk, because I was enthralled when I came across it. And I realized that we knew each other from a couple of different spaces on the internet. And what led you to to talk about what would you reach for if you knew you could reach for anything? Well, I think it actually came out of receiving an invitation at a time when I was wrestling with a lot of things. You know how an opportunity comes and maybe it doesn't feel like the right time. Like you feel like you don't have everything figured out yet and you don't really know what you can actually talk about. I was like, well, really the best thing for me to talk about is that space of feeling like you don't really have everything figured out and what it can afford. And what it affords is unlimited opportunity, really. Like if you don't feel like you have everything figured out, then everything is an opportunity. And yet we kind of get into that space of thinking that when we don't have everything figured out, we're a failure or we're a, we haven't reached our potential. But really, there's infinite potential in that space. And so I really wanted to wrestle with that in the, yeah, in a presentation. Okay. So, so in a way it's kind of like doing something that may be difficult because you don't know where it's going to go or what it's going to do, but you go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. And using the process of doing the difficult thing as a process of learning and as a process of self-discovery, I think I came from a background where people just felt like you had to have it all figured out or you had to have one clear path. And that was just never true for me. I am such a multi-passionate person that having that one thing never felt quite right for me. I wanted to have a lot of things. I wanted to try a lot of things, experience a lot of things. And so the process of kind of getting to a sense of you know self or a sense of self-discovery was really one that came with a lot of questions, a lot of experiments, and a lot of trying a lot of different things. And even though I feel like I've come to a really grateful sense of self um, through my work and through all these different explorations of the questions that I asked in the TED Talk, I always think there's room for more. And I think that continuing to ask ourselves these questions, the five questions in the talk, um, really keep us moving forward and keep us really making the most of whatever life is in this moment. I find that very interesting because I call myself a one-trick pony. I'm good at one thing and one thing only at a time. And when I meet someone who who can juggle 
just multiple passions. I find it really fascinating. And you are, you're really interesting to me because you're coming at your business and your life in two different ways. You have a very logical, let's, you know, let's sit down and, and work with women, coaching them around their business. And then you also do like the intuitive and the Reiki. That to me is, well, A, super cool. And B, like this amazing balance. So I know a little bit about the, you know, the one-on-one, let's get business done, but I don't really know about the Reiki. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what it is and what it does and what you do? Well, I can tell you that I entered into it as a form of self-care. As an entrepreneur, you know, we manage a lot. We wrestle with a lot and we really... I feel like entrepreneurship is one of the, you know, kind of biggest spiritual journeys you can have because you really have to figure out a lot of things on your own and you have to wrestle with a lot of things on your own until you can get to that place of really feeling successful. Whether or not the external measures of success meet your internal measures of success are also something you have to wrestle with. So for me, Reiki first and foremost was a form of self-care that I could practice. And I didn't really fully know what I was walking into, to be honest. I had a few different spiritual healers say, hey, you have healing energy in your hands. And I was like, what? What does that even mean? Like, (laughs) what is that? (laughs) And and then gradually, you know, how certain things become significant when enough weird people tell you about them. Reiki became significant to just explore as like, well, this thing seems to relate to healing with the hands and people these weird people tell me I have this thing with my hands, so I'll check it out. But I was still incredibly skeptical, very much in the logical part of my brain, not wanting to kind of dive into anything that would appear to be too spiritual or too cult-like, you know, kind of thing. And that was kind of the occult seemed to surround Reiki um, in different circles. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into that. So I asked the universe in a very intuitive way, hey, if this is something I should do, make it really clear for me. I kind of went the manifestation route and said, I want to see this amount of money by this date in my account, and then I will sign up for this class. And it needed to be above and beyond my normal expenses, my normal income, my normal things that I was counting on. Sure enough, it happened. I checked on that date, signed up for the first class, entered Reiki 1, and felt like, oh, wow this is just like a really great way of doing self-care. And at first it didn't really feel like super beneficial because I was still at a very surface level with it. So it was really through the practice of it. Like the class is just an introduction to the practice, like yoga, right? Like people can show you what the yoga poses are, but you're not going to benefit from just looking at the yoga poses. Right. (laughs) You know, you have to actually do the practice and do it regularly in order to receive any benefit from it whatsoever. So um, I practiced, I practiced Reiki, Reiki self-care. It's a series of hands-on positions that you can do with yourself initially and a series of precepts, which are basically like really getting a sense of where you lose your emotional control around anger and around worry and uh, reminding yourself to step back into gratitude and to really honor yourself. And so through the practice of Reiki, not just the understanding of Reiki, I really came to have like some really great healing results for my body, my physical well-being, my emotional, my mental well-being. And I started to become a little bit of a junkie. And I was like, well, this is great. I could just 
do Reiki one all the time. Like Reiki self-care is helping my business. It's giving me more energy. It's giving me a great community of people who are very giving oriented. Usually people who walk into Reiki are natural empaths or givers in some way. They are natural healers. They want to help people. Um, So it just really resonated with me at that kind of deep emotional, spiritual level of like, hey, we just want to help the world and we want to find a way that we can keep doing that. And doing our own self-care is kind of the base level of being able to do that. So that was Reiki 1, self-care. And I really had no intention to go on to Reiki 2 or Reiki 3, but I kind of did that same game with the universe. (laughs) Like, (laughs) hey, show me the money. (laughs) If you want me to keep going. And it did. It kept doing it over and over again. And um, now I'm a Reiki teacher as well. So that's been the path and it's been quite extraordinary. It starts out as a hands-on practice. It starts out as a very physical practice with a little bit of the emotional, spiritual, mental stuff involved around the precepts and practicing kind of the do not worry, do not anger um, aspects of the work. And then through that, I actually opened up a lot of my intuitive sensitivities that I had shut down over time, which gave me access to much more kind of knowledge and insight than I ever thought I was able to physically possibly have. And that's been really cool. Wow. That sounds like from self-care, it became like a new world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you are talking about the world. You're getting ready to take off and go travel the world. What is? Tell me about this. And how are you doing this? So um, I did this once before in 2012. And I will give my husband huge props on this because... I don't know if I would choose to do this alone. I love traveling with other people and I love having company while traveling. So a lot of my, while I have, I'm comfortable traveling alone. It's just not to me as adventurous or as exciting as sharing it with other people. So he has a sabbatical where he can kind of stop teaching for a while. He's a professor at NYU here in New York City. And NYU has campuses all over the world, somewhat through the connections that he has with NYU, but as well as him just needing to kind of take a break from teaching, he floated the idea of like, hey, do you want to take off from New York and, you know, be uprooted for a while? That's always a scary question to ask when you run your own business because of all the things that you think about needing to manage, needing to leave behind. And actually just wrote a blog post about the personal end of that. I'm writing two more blog posts about the business end of that coming up on anruthman.blogspot.com. And so the first time we did this was also for his sabbatical. However, I've been traveling the world quite a bit over the last year, just for the fun of it. (laughs) Um, With family members, with friends, I have some more travel coming up with friends. I don't know why, honestly, I'm doing so much of this other than I enjoy it. It's definitely a challenge to make everything work while you're traveling. Because the truth is, is it's very, I I mean, I know so many people who either go into business for themselves for the freedom. And that means when freedom, freedom is not just the freedom to to work for yourself at whatever, you know, hours you want or whatever. It's, you know, that location independence also, but it's also the freedom just to do new things, right? And this is a huge do new thing thing. And I'm, I'm very, very impressed. 
Good for you. <laughs> are you going to be Are you going to be posting photos in your blogs on your blog sphere? Oh yeah. Um, if you go on Instagram, you'll see all my travels from the last year, which I think is it all of them. I don't know. It was about ten or twelve countries, something like that last year. That's on Ann Ruthman in Instagram, Instagram.com slash Ann Ruthman. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes for sure. So I can spend a little time seeing what you've been up to too. <laughs> yeah. And some of that travel was with friends, some with family, um, some for, you know, work. Although these days it's less about my work and more about if other people have work opportunities and they want me to join them, sometimes they'll ask me and they'll invite me and I'll join them for those reasons. And that's always fun. Like it's, it's one of those things that I learned early on, like, I traveled a lot for work initially. Um, I was a professional photographer for 13 years. And a lot of that work happened with distance weddings or distance commercial work. And what I learned during that period was traveling for work alone is actually quite exhausting. But when you travel for, for pleasure or you bring your family with you while you're working, there's so much energy in that space. There's something really special about traveling with people you love and sharing more of your travel with people you love. That's actually, at least for me, maybe not for everybody, maybe for other people, traveling alone is more energizing than travel with family. But for me, I found that doing travel with friends or doing travel with family, even if there's work involved at some level, is actually way more energizing and way more fun than just traveling for work for myself. Yeah, so I've been finding ways to do that. And a lot of my friends and family at this point in my life know that I enjoy doing that. And so <laughs> if they, <laughs> yeah, that invitation is just hanging out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that invitation hangs out there and I also offer it in return. Like, Hey, do you want to join me? And what's kind of funny is I find that I am more willing to join other people on their travels than they are willing to join me on my travels. So I end up traveling more for them with their work and then trying to find ways to do what I can do with them than have happened in return. Then the flip side, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it is interesting. I know that probably for my first, from 18 to 35, I traveled alone. I just traveled alone. And then one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I am so done with traveling alone. And, and I, I, all of my traveling changed tremendously. And it's okay. You know, I had a, I had a good time by myself. And then it was that time to to get to enjoy it with other people, which I agree is, it brings a whole different energy to it. Let me ask you a question. I know that in your talk, which was, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but in your TED talk, it's like, what would you attempt to do if you couldn't fail? Which to me is one of those questions that I like to ask myself actually quite a bit whenever I'm at a crossroads or maybe in a lull or just, you know, just ready to shake things up a little bit, I asked myself that question. And you had like the five questions in your talk. And I know, I know what this is just kind of like, I just threw this at you. So if you don't remember all five questions, but I would love to give you or ask you, if you could, to um, give our audience a little bit, you know, a little bit of some action steps that they could take, questions they could ask to kind of address that whole idea of, what would you do if you couldn't fail? So can you speak to a couple of those questions? I think that opening question really is kind of that place of what are the possibilities I'm not pursuing because I'm afraid? 
and that's kind of like an alternative way of asking, what would you attempt if you knew you could not fail? Um, when we ask ourselves, what are the possibilities I'm not pursuing because I'm afraid of something going wrong or I'm afraid of it not working out well. But when we start from the question of what are the possibilities, we're walking into perhaps a more positive space than just like, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> right. You're Instead of running away, you're walking toward, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so I just want to give a concrete example. My brother was somebody who had kind of worked in typical retail environment. It wasn't the greatest paying job. The hours weren't that great. Um, it wasn't that flexible. And he kind of started doing some reselling business on the side, just always considered a hobby. It was never really a job. You know, he kind of knew that I had walked into the entrepreneurial space, not really having many entrepreneurial mentors and was like, so, you know, what am I getting into here? And I was like, well, you can always go back to what you've been doing. That's always an option for you. You can always go back to what is familiar. You can always go back to the thing that you know well and the thing that you've already done. And you can have the same exact output and outcome that you've always had. And that's always there for you. So if you fail, you can always just go back to where you are right now. And that's not so terrible. Well, I mean, for him, it was actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he was comfortable enough with that to not move forward, but at the same time, deeply unhappy. So he needed something to help move him forward. And by kind of eliminating the the risk space of I'm never going to be able to find anything ever again, which is really where, you know, our, our fear brain tends to go. And remembering that you can kind of come back to where you are now and you're already comfortable with that is, you know, one way of removing that big blanket of fear that we don't like to pull out from under ourselves. So I think those are a few questions that people can kind of ask as they explore the space of what would I attempt? Um, in the talk, I referenced several different ways that I explored that for me, like initially it was acting and it was, can I, you know, what could I be a Broadway star? And what I learned was as I started pursuing that and I started getting really honed in on what that would mean, it's like, man, I actually don't really like this work. I don't really like, <laughs> I was like the, the Broadway star part of it, you know, was really great for the ego, but the actual work of it really just, I wasn't that competitive. Like I, I didn't care about being that competitive. Sometimes I'd be like, yeah, I think that guy really should play that role. Even though I'm actually a little maybe better. Like I, I think he really should play that role. Cause he's like, it seems to like be a need for him. Like, and so that's just, if that's who you are, like you kind of probably won't like the Hollywood industry or you won't like the Broadway industry. You have to be really cutthroat at all, in all, in all ways in order to really get where you need to go. And so I just didn't like the things that came with that. And, you know, I had to be able to walk the path, experience it fully and get to know the parts of the job that I didn't know from the surface level in order to see what it was that I wouldn't like. And I think that that's a lot of opportunities as well. Like we might walk into them thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing. So, so fantastic. And, you know, we're so focused maybe on the success of the outcome or the um, good parts of the outcome that we then forget all the work that's involved in it. And so I went through that process several times with business. And I found that um, working for other people in a corporate structure gave me a lot of money but that was also where I learned that money alone wasn't enough. Like that, yeah, I could have all the money in the world. And I could have all the things in the world, but that 
wasn't actually where my happiness was coming from. So I had to keep searching and keep asking the questions over and over until I could really find what the source of my happiness was. And for me, honestly, the answer was freedom. That has probably been the the answer at the end of the day for each one of the questions is what is it that gives me the freedom to create, to travel, to spend time with friends and family, to um, really just kind of craft whatever it is that I feel crafting in the moment or moving toward. And all of that kind of kept pushing me from one level to another level of trying to create that for myself. And I feel like I'm finally in that place where I'm able to create that for myself. And even if I have setbacks, even if I have to take you know, 10 steps backward, knowing that it'll get me 12 steps forward, I'll do that now because the freedom is far more important than the outside measures of what other people might think success is. It's interesting that I go through a an exercise, kind of a word exercise, really, where people can find their drivers, you know, what, what drives you. And you know, freedom is, is one of those, when it's your driver, it is, it's a done, like <laughs> you're just, you just might as well roll over and figure out how you're going to do freedom. <laughs> that is just part of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, at least the point that I am at right now, so for a long time, photography gave me the freedom that I was searching for and um, gave me freedom of travel, freedom to spend time with friends and family, freedom to create a lot of things. Um, But then I reached a point where I learned everything I wanted to learn with photography, and there wasn't any more growth. I didn't feel like I was learning anymore. And the areas of growth that still felt wide open into these expansive fields were business consulting for creatives and nonprofits and um, the Reiki work. And so you know, making the decision to kind of retire from that thing that had given me immense freedom in order to pursue two other things that also gave me freedom, but had more learning and more kind of of an expansive future from my own perspective. That was also, you know, kind of one of those like, oh, well, I'm going to take a few steps backward and kind of get into a place of restarting a few other things in order to have a more expansive set of freedoms in the future. Perfect. So if we were to give people a couple of things to ponder from everything that you've given us, I would say that one of them is to ask that question of yourself. What would you do if you couldn't fail? And then would you say the other one is to ask yourself or to suggest yourself to know what it is that really drives you and then be willing to take the chance that it may take you a little while to get there. Yeah, I think those are all great takeaways. I think that perhaps the self-care aspect is actually a really important part of this because if we aren't willing to tune into ourself and what our body physically, emotionally, mentally needs in order to move forward, we can keep chasing external measures of success because we are off center or we are off balance from what we internally personally need, or we are, you know, chasing some implanted social measure of what success is. So I think having the self-care piece and being able to really dig in with questions and with, you know, other forms of self-care, it doesn't have to be Reiki, it can just be eating 
clean foods, or it could be exercising, or it could be just meditation or resting or making sure that you actually get two days off from your own business each week. Self-care is a big part, I think, in being able to recognize the internal measures of success and the internal whispers of what we really could attempt if we didn't fail. Thank you. What a perfect way to end this. Thank you so much for being here. And we will link to your everything, all your good stuff, your TED Talk, (laughs) your blog, your websites, your photos on Instagram, and everything else we can link to in the show notes so that people can follow you on your journeys going forward. And thank you so much for being here today. I really, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I really hope that if you know, listeners are interested in something, they reach out and ask more questions because there's always the, there's what you see on a line and then there's a deeper story that can be told with a question. That's so true. Thank you. Thank you again for listening with Anne and I when we chatted today about her upcoming adventures. If you'd like to stay in touch with what she has going on, be sure to check out her website. We will link to it in the show notes and we will also link to her TED Talk in the show notes. And remember, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And you can reach me via the website at fitisfreedom.com or via email at kelly at fitisfreedom.com or just drop us a note on Instagram or Facebook. And I will tell you, a week cannot go by without me saying a very big and heartfelt thank you to Riley and all the guys at podigy.co. They keep everything running smoothly. And if you have a podcast or you're thinking about starting a podcast, I highly recommend that you give them a yell. Once again, it's podigy.co. Have a wonderful week and I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.